glad you could join us for episode 135 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we get back to, after a pretty long hiatus, our analysis of James Cameron's cyberpunk thriller, Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba, Michael Weatherly, and Ashley Scott. And obviously, we're in the midst of the Christmas holidays here, Wayne, and uh, you know it's good to get back to it, I gotta be honest. Yeah, definitely. Uh, though doing childhood end uh, was fun, but you know, you never thought like just three episodes would be so much work. You know, like. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and and there's something to be said for these event series because it, you know it's almost like the one and done. And on the other hand, you know, you really can't develop any kind of a, a listener base because you know even sending in feedback is, is yeah. really not realistic. But. That being said, it was fun getting the three of us all together yeah. and doing a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Good time. Right. I think we did it once before, right? You you came on the continuum one time. We, I think, yeah, you had me on one time to uh, talk about uh, Terminator. Oh, okay. The Terminator the oh, movies. Right, when we were doing that. Yeah. Yep. Well, anyway, tonight we're here to discuss episode 12 of season two titled Borrowed Time. But before we get to that, Wayne and I, as always, want to remind you we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. You can, of course, record your own audio clips, send the MP3 as an attachment or just send us a tweet at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, and we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group. Join the discussions there. You know, as we mentioned before, we we covered the Sci-Fi Special Event series, Arthur C. Clarke's Childhood's End, and it's getting published through Golden Spiral Media. But I've been putting the posts up on our website, so you know, it's not going to show up in your feed. But if you go to the website, you can uh, listen there. And we did get a little bit of listener feedback, although, as you said, it was a while back. And we heard from Gabby G via Twitter, who said that the powers that be of Dark Angel described Max and Alex's relationship as brotherly, sisterly in the DVD audio commentary to another episode. And, and that was something that obviously comes up more as we're progressing a little bit tonight. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, they Listeners have been dropping hints without getting too spoilery. <laughs> Upon reflection, like you know, again, I just like the, I just seemed like I caught like just some little thing there that that seemed like uh, that Max was expressing some kind of jealousy, but it wouldn't necessarily have to be like any kind of romantic slash sexual jealousy. Her her feelings about uh, Alec are, are pretty complex, I think. But I, oh. I think on the basis, I. Th- you know, you're right with that. It's like, you know, more a sibling type feeling. So I think, you know, I, I think I do think and we see that, that you know, she's, you know, feels closer uh, to him uh, as we see the relationship is growing, but not in a you know shipping type way. Yeah. Now, Kimmy also sent us an email and said, hey, guys, about Alec playing the piano in the Beresford agenda, the answer to your questions in the audio commentary of the episode. And she says, I know you don't have much time, but they're interesting and have a couple behind the scenes information. So in the commentary, Moira Curlin Decker and Janice Tashjian confirmed that they cast a piano player as a hand double, but they didn't use the footage because the work Jensen did on the piano was better. He's not a piano player, but they taught him how to act while playing, and he learned the first eight bars of the song in a couple of days. So that you know, I think so. We we were kind of right. What, what yeah, we said in the oh, uh, we were right insofar as I knew that those were his hands exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, which is cool. Like I mean, I I might even be a little bit 
more impressed that uh, he was able to kind of make it look like he's playing the piano. Though I guess if I, you, know, you actually played the piano, you would probably say, oh, he's so not playing that song, you know, or something like that. But, I know, I know. Uh, and then she also said, good catch with the tombstone. You're right, Dave. I also noticed the dates don't add up. Rachel was 17 when she met Alec and was at least two years in the coma. So she should be more than 19, not 18 as written. Also, did you check the day of death, 21st October 2020? Uh, it's a mistake in the timeline because in episode 205, they celebrated Halloween. So we're not the only ones that, that go after the little, little things. Yeah. yeah that's a, you, you, you know, nowadays, you can't be uh, sloppy with this type of stuff. Nope. Social media will catch you. Oh. Now, speaking of little things, uh, there was a little movie that came out in December, mid-December. And, you know, Wayne, I, I, every podcast... I listen to now you're not necessarily listen to podcasts of TV shows, right? You, you listen to the one like things you should know and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. But virtually every podcast I listen to opens with a discussion of star Wars and, and, and almost how can you not, who are we to buck the trend? Right. Well, but ironically this episode, what, what does max steal to get the money right. to pay <laughs> yeah, yeah. the chemist? Yeah, Star Wars 7. Episode 7, yeah, right. Which, at that time, Attack of the Clones was going to be released in May of 2002. So we don't even know if it was known that 3 would come next in 2005 and that there would even be a 7. Um, well, yeah, they definitely knew that there was going to be an episode 3. I, I think even at that time, George Lucas was saying that that's going to be it for me. Like, I'm done. And and no one, there was absolutely, obviously, no clue at all that that Disney was going to buy Lucasfilm and actually start making good Star Wars movies again. Well, you know, you say that and, and <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, you saw the film and we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but, but obviously the initial film came out in 1977 star Wars. And it's of course, like many things been retconned to a new hope yeah. and uh, which is fine. Uh, three years later, well, we got Empire Strikes Back, and then three years after that, we got Return of the Jedi. But it was 16 years until we got Phantom Menace. And again, I, I think when you try to understand the excitement that people feel when there's a new Star Wars coming out, you know, it is that that we thought we were done. Right, exactly. And then we weren't. And And, and for you, you know, born when you were, Star Wars is really part of your your important history you know i was older i mean i saw star wars when it came out in 77 but and, and was excited because there wasn't a lot of sci-fi then right this time around uh, a little less so i mean i still haven't seen it you have you took your two sons to see it uh so how was it without uh, getting too spoilery I've, I've actually seen it twice now wow because um, we then took the uh the girls a couple days ago and it was it was great now i I feel bad before I insinuated that I don't think episodes one through three are good. And I, I actually do like one through three, um, not as much. And, you know, obviously I've got, there's a lot of problems with them. And when people who criticize them, uh, they very validly criticize them. But I also think there's a lot of good, especially episode three was, was a really good movie, you know. Um, but, yeah, from a different standpoint. Um, the new one. Is uh, back to back to the, how it was before. Uh, follows pretty much. I mean, the, 
one criticism I hear a lot uh, from just regular people, not from podcasts or reading about it on the internet, is just uh, that the plot's kind of derivative. It's uh, you know, it's basically episode four. They, they just basically take the blueprint of episode four's plot and kind of uh, rehash it a little bit different ways. And there is a truth to that. But also, especially the second time watch, I realized there's a lot else going on there. Um, and uh, some new characters that are really pretty awesome and compelling characters. But don't and- you accept that premise going in? I mean, Star Wars is not deep. Right. You know, you're not going to Star Wars and then going to go home and think about all of the nuances of it. It's a good time. It's a basic story. So, like, you know, the criticism, like you said, that that they're just retooling previously used plot lines. Well, okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm like, so who cares, right? Um, it was an awesome movie. It was uh, a ton of fun. My oldest daughter, who refuses to watch episode four, claims she hates it despite never really having watched it, um, she completely loved uh, The Force Awakens. Okay. So if, uh, if, if they can get her to enjoy the movie, then pretty much that's, that's what we're talking about here. Okay, now I did uh, re-watch. I, I've seen Phantom Menace now twice. So I don't know, maybe tonight I'll get to Attack of the Clones, which I've seen bits and pieces. Revenge of the Sith, I'm not sure I've seen any of it, but I bought, uh, bought all three as a set and enjoyed Phantom Menace quite a bit. Again, as we we said last week, the acting's not great, so what? Yeah, well, you know, I I think Liam Neeson and uh, Ewan McGregor did a a pretty good job in there. Um, You know, a a lot of people criticized the Jake Lloyd as Anakin, saying that he was, like, too cute. and uh, You know, I don't know. People, like, when you're George Lucas, like, you know, people just criticize everything you do i feel like you know when he's driving down the highway people are like come on lucas drive faster or something like that or, you know all right and um, critical of natalie portman who obviously is a, is a very good actress we've seen her in other things and you know it, it, it's like zoe palmer in dark matter do you blame the actor or do you blame the director yeah i was, I was about to say that exact same well not about zoe palmer but we had this very same discussion that you know, very clearly they stuck her in a role in that, especially uh, Phantom Menace, that was just kind of like a kind of a crappy role, you know, like the the uh, as Amidala, but uh, becomes better and the character brings on greater depth and nuance in the episodes two and three. Um, but yeah, she had a rough uh, something to hoe <laughs> yeah i can't well, remember the, the it was uh a yeah, tough she, row to hoe yeah row to hoe that's it right um and uh well her double was even worse yeah yeah that that whole thing of the the body double is just uh uh that's tragic um well then you know the the very middle which would you would i guess the first time i saw it like the i thought the uh, pod racer scene was kind of cool but then you realize it's like 20 minutes long, like right smack in the middle of the movie. They have like this, you know, scene of basically people going around in a circle. And it's like, I'm not so sure about that the directorial choice as well. Yeah, they could have cut a lap off there and it would have been just as effective. Yeah, but... they could have cut two laps off, I right. think, because it's a long lap. Now, I saw the few pictures you posted on Facebook. So you didn't dress up. Were, no. were, were there many people dressed up at the theater you saw the film so i went 
um, the premiere night, uh, Thursday uh, the 17th, and there were a ton of people dressed up, which is awesome because I, there's people that I know that went to movie theaters so they, they didn't allow people to dress up at all, which is just, I mean, I get it, you know, with the way our world is today, you know, like, but I don't know, man. It was just, it was such an awesome atmosphere. It was just really cool. Uh, there's, you know, women dressed up as Princess Leah, guys dressed up like Han Solo. Uh, there's a guy in a big Chewbacca jammies. Um, people dressed up as Jedi, people dressed up as stormtroopers, people carrying lightsabers. Uh, it was just, it was a lot of fun. So we're leaving and there's this guy uh, dressed up as an, like an Imperial officer. <clears throat> and he's walking by like, oh, that's an awesome costume. And he goes, it's not a costume, it's a uniform. And just kept walking. Nice. <laughs> I was like, there you go. I was like, oh, that was the perfect answer. Um, but then, like a couple minutes later, that same guy we saw, he's standing right next to a guy dressed up as um, Kylo Ren, who's the new baddie. And uh, and the the guy looked, he even had like long hair. He looked a lot like Adam Driver. Uh, and so we went and got our picture taken with the uh, Imperial officer and Kylo Ren. And that was pretty cool. So it was a good time. Good right. atmosphere, a lot of fun. Um, you know, like <clears throat> when the Lucasfilm uh symbol came up everyone like cheered and then the song started everyone cheered and then like you see the millennium falcon and everyone cheers and you see han solo and everyone cheer you know it's like cool. every time one of these things popped up the whole theater went crazy um and that didn't happen the second time i saw it um though even having you know i my, my heart still like jumped up a little bit when each of those things happened even the second time around. Of course, you wonder, maybe a lot of people were in the position you were in, which is this was the second or third time they'd seen it. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's uh, very likely. And uh, it, you know, and that's what you had said, the uh, the excitement that comes with a new Star Wars movie. I mean, that's like a real palpable thing. I remember going to see uh, episode one when it came out and when that Lucasfilm sign came up, like uh, you know, like my heart just leaped out of my body, you know, and then the song played with the scrolling and it's just like, you know, like you can't help but like cheer out loud. You're just so excited. Like, oh my God, another Star Wars movie, you know, especially like you said, like when you think you're not, you're never going to see another Star Wars movie again, that what we just have is, you know, endlessly replaying the, the three movies we have over and over again. And then you get a brand new one. It's just, you know, intense. And yeah. now they're going to release one like every year. So, I mean, I imagine that's going to kind of dilute that excitement a little bit. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we will see. And, and you know, I mentioned the whole idea of the Star Wars versus Star Trek. I don't, I don't want to say argument. That, that's not, not not fair. But they're they're inextricably linked, even though they're totally different. And depending on, I think, what generation you grew up in, one or the other has meaning to you. So sometime down the road, Wayne and I are going to talk about that and, uh, you know, we'll go from there, you know, not to start the discussion. Now it's just when a new star Trek movie comes out, it, it doesn't generate anywhere near the excitement. No, no. And that's, uh, you know, it might be because like star Trek is so like omnipresent, right? I mean, is there, I don't know. Are there any star Trek shows on television currently running right now? I don't, there aren't, are there? Um, BBC America was running Next Generation, but I don't know if they are. But okay. but yeah, I mean, so like, obviously there's a strong point there. 
Yeah, like Star Trek Enterprise, I think, was maybe the last one. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, like, never really gone away, you know? There's always either a movie in the works or, you know, one or multiple TV shows on. Um, and I, I think that might be part of it, you know, the, the Star Trek is just all, always there. And so it's that a, a, a movie isn't quite so exciting because we don't feel like, we're never going to see Star Trek again. I think the always the idea is, well, there's always going to be another Star Trek of some type or, or another. And they've, because they've created such an expansive universe with Star Trek, right? Like you don't even need, that's what Next Generation proved, right? Like we can haul in a completely different cast uh, from what we had before and make it work. Right. And then Voyager, same thing. Well, let's bring in completely different people. Deep Space Nine, a whole new group of people here. And maybe they cross over every now and then, but basically different people, completely different, slap the word Star Trek up there and people will come to see it, you know? So you get the feeling that, uh, you know, there, there can always be a Star Trek of one kind or another because that, that universe is huge. Yep. So, well, we'll hold off on that for a for another day and, and let's go ahead and jump into Dark Angel. Okay, actually, before we do this, just one thing, because I was talking about crossovers, because like, one big crossover all the shows is that Q would always be. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you have you Oh yeah. Watched in the librarians? I am, yeah. I'm up to date as well. Well, okay. I didn't see I didn't see this Sundays. Okay. Uh this it was it was awesome. I watched it last night. It was fantastic. Um but the guy I can't remember the, the actor's name, the guy who played Q was actually on an episode of the Librarians. Remember the one where yeah, uh, sure. they go back to um Eve's hometown and everything? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So that was great. To see. It was almost, it was almost like the exact role that he has as Q on Star Trek, which was like that was great how they did that. Yeah. So, all right. Okay. Very good. So, uh, all right. Dark Angel. Speaking of very good, episode twelve of season two, "Borrowed Time," written by Jose Molina, directed by David Strayton, aired on February first, two thousand two. Uh, it was good to get back to Dark Angel. I thought it was a good episode. It's just not great. Yeah, well, I mean, there's you know an issue with it that kind of is central to, I mean, even the title itself that um, that I know we're going to talk about. But yeah, it was okay. It was pretty yeah. good. I liked it. I mean, are these two star-crossed lovers or what? I mean, well, there's star-cross, and then when you you know blatantly cross your own stars, yeah, you know? I guess, and, and you know she gets <laughs> rather pessimistic at the end, but. They do both utter the L word, so you know we're, we're, we're left with some hope. But it's kind of getting to the point where, really, and we'll <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. Right. Um, given all that they've been through, she wants to wait. Yeah, really. Well, that yeah, that's 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 the issue, right? Uh, well, that's one of the. I mean, that's one of the realies. Yeah, that's not yeah. even the biggest one. I mean. I, I, I know, should we talk about it now? Or he, I, yeah, we'll hold off. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. You know, we've never really questioned Max's intelligence, but let's face it, she was created to be a soldier. So I, I'm sitting there watching the scene where she's essentially taught herself genetics, chemistry, and advanced mathematics. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I I guess. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that another really there? Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, it, it's not a big really. It's not right. the biggest one. But uh, I, I did, uh, you know, have to bring that up 
And and then certainly what we we talked a little bit about uh, during the listener feedback are Max and Alec getting closer as friends. They're waiting to steal the film, and and they actually have a conversation, you know, which, which was interesting. And then later Max asks him for help with the gossamer, and he doesn't even ask her what she needs help with. He he just says, "Yeah, I'm there," which is kind of a, a departure from what we've seen of him in the past. Yeah, well, and. Not unlike the Han Solo character, since we, we've kind of established this theme here, you know, sure, uh, of Star Wars, where he is like the, you know, reluctant hero, almost anti-hero, you know, like um, Malcolm Reynolds. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, and and those are the guys that we you know really relate to. You know, I think most people won't necessarily uh, relate to. You know, like the pure-hearted Luke Skywalker type hero who. Um, you know, we, we see the, the guy who's more in the middle and doesn't have, you know, 100% pure motives, uh, we kind of relate to a little bit more. Um, and so, you know, Alec is, he's all about that, you know, like that gray area in there. Yeah. Well, you, talking about that gray area, it, it makes me think about the scene in the bar and he f- feels compelled apparently to tell Asha about Logan and Max. And I'm wondering, does he just do it to hurt her? Is he just trying to get her to go home with him? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Those are the two. I don't, I don't think he's doing it to hurt Asha more, uh, or maybe just a, it, it could be just like a reality check. Like, listen, you're, you're not getting there, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. Because he's got no reason to want to hurt her. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and so sometimes the truth does hurt, right? Um, and so he could either have, and th- so that's saying if he has the, a, a good motive is that he just wants her to stop wasting her time pining after Logan. Uh, the bad motive would be, as you said, like, okay, I'm going to discourage her from going after Logan so that she'll get into me, you know, yeah. which he tells her that's like his but he is up front with her about you know saying how that's kind of his goal as well so yeah when i see something i want i try to get it now it starts making me think about asha and i'm now wondering did she get into i I don't know what do we call it social avenging uh you know whatever (laughs) it is that she and logan and the s1w uh, did she get into this just to impress logan um I don't. I mean, did, I, did I just, Logan come before the S one W? Yeah, or? I don't know, but just the thought I had. Yeah. Uh, uh, why does she go home with Alec? He was convincing, I guess. Okay. All right. And then I, I think maybe one of the most it imp- is Jensen Ackles, right? A, a good guys. He's a pretty good looking guy. So. Well, yeah, but she's Ashley Scott. So. Yeah. 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 yeah true. They'd have great kids, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> first, I guess you could say that about any pair of uh (laughs) characters in this show um but but the one plot point that i i guess i liked more than anything was to do with joshua who ignores the instructions he was given to stay put yet that's what saves them yes and yeah you gotta like it so you know this was not one of the the deepest episodes it didn't push the story arc along very far yeah, a little bit of character development, but all in all, it was a good, fun episode for me. Uh, I like the opening scene. I know I'm always the one to complain about Jam Pony, but but we see the crew 
at Crash and Alex trying to hustle pool, can't find any takers because apparently Sketchy already owes him like his next two paychecks. Right. Well, the thing about hustling pool is if you demonstrate that you're a really good pool player, then you have trouble hustling because no one wants to play you, right? I mean, I saw the color of money. I know how it works. Well, you wonder, is is that, uh, you know, something that's lacking in Alex's experience because he was in Manticore for so long? But he finally gets Logan to step up. Eventually, Logan wins a double or nothing bet from Alec. But yeah. Well, you just knew that Logan was, you know, it's like that cliche, right? Like sure. You got the guy who's just, you know, running the table, and then the the guy steps up who seems unlikely to be good. The thing about pool is it's not like football, right? It's not like you have to have a certain body type to be good at pool. Like, anyone can be good at pool if you just practice enough. Yeah. Well, so, you know, perhaps the most memorable piece of dialogue from the series uh, if we were to go back and try to you know, go through our notes and look for memorable pieces of dialogue, this would have to be in the discussion. Original Cindy, seeing the boys play with their sticks and ball, I may vomit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> uh, and, and, but, you know, we're wondering where this scene was going because it becomes clear Max hands Logan a victory beer and then we're back at the can't touch each other because of the virus mode and yeah. then and then she does what she's been doing she runs away and hey, come on really but that's not even my biggest really okay um and then we're at a junkyard and we see a man taken away by you know and we certainly assume it's one of the manticore creatures that has gotten away so right. we've got Three stories, basically. Or it could be like a you know person in some kind of goofy costume with a tail on the end it of it. It could be. <laughs> so we've got this some kind of beast lizard thing loose in the city, and it's killing people. Well, we as it turns out, we learned it wasn't necessarily killing yeah. people. It was it basically at first st- it, right. Was it was storing them. Right. So we see the guy in the kitchen and you know after dinner and the beast takes him through his window but then really the only other thing we see is is joshua goes outside to get some fresh air from all the paint fumes yeah and he picks up and then follows the scent of the creature which he immediately recognizes as a gossamer now he says it and at that point we don't know what gossamer means i mean other than well I know what it means. Right, right. In this context. <laughs> like what, why it would be something that would be taking people, right? Because yeah. it's, it's like like spider web. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it spits. And again, at first we think it's venom. And, uh, you know, this guy thinks Josh was following him. But, but none of this getting spit on or the guy accusing Joshua, none of it seems to affect Joshua. And, and then that's pretty much it for the beast lizard storyline until we get to the end when you know as always the storylines start to converge right okay but i guess maybe even the biggest story is max's attempt to cure the virus which then goes back to what i was saying earlier about her genetic chemist mathematics skill that she seems to have acquired and (laughs) you know it's one thing to acquire all those that you know those skill sets but then to actually be able to understand them in the context of you know each being interrelated uh i don't know but yeah either way she's been hitting the books rather hard and she's obviously trying to further the research that was begun by the manticore geneticist that logan had hired (laughs) And, and you know she's got the painting there and you know Joshua's apologizing and she's like, 
ah, nah, you know, if it wasn't for you painting over my notes, I probably wouldn't have gotten into it this deep. Yeah. So it's not all bad, Joshua. Don't not all that. bad. So Joshua 1, I think this is Joshua 1, that, that she's, uh, or is it Joshua 2? No, I'm not sure. I guess it doesn't matter. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you know, as, as she seems to get in cl- be getting closer because she's, you know, talking out loud, the artist remarks, so the virus bitch is going down. Yeah. Yes, it is, Joshua. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm getting a little sick of that line as it is anyway. So maybe maybe we'll, that'll be the end of it. You know, I, I, I know what you're saying. And I'm wondering if it's, I mean, it's the same thing with original Cindy. Okay, we get it. You're not into guys and all that. You do. Mm-hmm. Yet, I still like her lines. Sure. So, I don't know. Maybe the virus bitch will eventually wear me down, but but <laughs> for now. So now she, you're all right with it still? Yeah. So okay. she takes her work to this geneticist, scientist that she knows, verifies that while her numbers may be off a bit, her proposal to kill the virus may be viable. He... Uh, Gets in a Planet of the Apes reference. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, take yep. that, you damn dirty virus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought he, he was going to sing like short people or something like that. Like, well, yeah, because he looked like Randy Newman. Exactly. Um, but he needs- <laughs> I don't a, know why that's the only Randy Newman song I could think of at the, uh, at the head. You've Got a Friend in Me is a nicer one. Really? Okay. <laughs> uh, please don't sing. Uh, but he needs you a blood sample. You've got sample. a friend in me. He needs, a, he needs a blood sample and $20,000 to continue. You start thinking about all the money Max has spent. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you could get out of Dodge, set yourself up somewhere, but. Yeah. But, I mean, alas. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's, it seems like, what, what are we up to now? Like, at least 35K? Oh, more maybe? than that, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's a, a lot of money that if maybe they'd spent it more wisely that they could, you know, maybe this virus bitch will have gone down yeah but she enlists alex aid in stealing the only copy of the unfinished star wars 7 from a vault in the fox building and and again i just can't get over the prescience of yeah of that well it's just for for us to be watching it like right at now this point. Is like yeah it's crazy right and then of course alec asks is this the one where captain kirk dies yeah. and she's like i guess <laughs> like, uh, oh you too yeah i know it's terrible all right. But they're waiting for a guard shift to change, and apparently it's taken a lot longer than she led Alec to believe it would take. And he's trying to figure out what she plans to do with the money, and he can't believe that she and Logan have never had sex. But at least she doesn't say, it's complicated. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, you talk about lines that I, I don't want to hear anymore. That's probably <laughs> the biggest. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he says, again, one of the great lines of the episode, you know, I could see where the right time might elude you for a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like Alec, as we saw before, said, when I want something, I go for it. Right. And as opposed to that's like the direct opposite, this dancing around stuff that uh, Max and Logan did even before she had the virus. Right. Exactly. Right. So, so there's and, something to be said for Alex's philosophy of life. Well, of course, and, and that's obviously one of the ironies in in the show at this point. Uh, so Max goes to Logan's, tells him about the temporary cure. I don't know about nothing, but you won't die, right? Now, this is the scene where she she comes in, she's wearing that black off-the-shoulder top, which, yeah. which we later see uh, is 
midriff bearing as well. And it's like, he says, so, you know, nothing will happen. Well, I don't know about nothing, but you won't die. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and this time, Dave, I actually made sure that I noticed that, yes, she changed her hair. And, yes, she put on some attractive black outfit. So I knew you were going to bring up the hair in the outfit. So I, I put it in, in my notes even just to remind myself to, to say something to you about that. Yep. But, you know, it, it's I guess because this has dragged on for so long, it, it's not one of those heartbreaking scenes, at least not for me. And and I'm, you know, certainly a sap for some of these kinds of scenes. If sappiness is warranted, I just don't think it is here because they're dragging it on too long. Yeah. Well, they're, they're literally on the clock. They are right? on the clock and she says it's going to have to be long enough. Or I'm sorry, he says that. Yeah. And, and then she's like, I can't believe I'm going to go all girly on you, but I don't want to blow this on a quickie. Yeah really <laughs> yeah yeah you know i mean i i i get it you know i understand i don't want to say that i don't understand that you know that the uh the romantic aspect of that should you know that that they're wrong in, in you know making it a romantic kind of occasion but on the other hand listen anyone with kids knows that when you're on the clock you're on the clock right well <laughs> and, and it's much not, detail but and it's not as know. if they haven't developed their relationship Right. It's not as if they haven't been romantic. Right. I mean, they haven't necessarily said the L word, but right. But it's clear to both of them. So they've got that relationship. It's not like he picked her up at a bar and they went home and had a quickie. So, yeah, you know, I get like you said, I get it. But yeah, and, and honestly, you know, like you got 10 hours. So, you know, you can start off with a quickie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like you got. Yeah, let's let's take care of business first. Exactly. Yeah. So, so so the two of them are dancing closely. He tells her there's something he's been meaning to tell her for a long time. Joshua bursts in, tells Max she's gotta help him stop Gossamer, and this is the really that just is driving yeah. me crazy. Yep. Yeah. yeah, this is where Joshua who, for the most part, we really like, but sometimes can be because they they always give him this role. He's always the the guy, you know, you know, interrupting or you know, bursting into the room with bad news or something. And, you know, here we go. Yeah, but you know, it, it, again, I I blame it on the writers. It, it, you can't drag this out. Yeah, for this long, I I just think as well, a, they did. Well, they did, right? <laughs> Clearly, you can. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least Max and Logan get a quick kiss before he literally drags her right uh, with him. Uh, and then uh, what I see as a third, albeit brief, storyline. You know, I, I look at Alex his attempts to make a life such as it is, you know, we know he took over uh brain's apartment or Brian, right. um, <laughs> you know, but we cut to crash Alex downing scotches. Asha's at the end of the bar. You know, he notices her, buys her a drink. She comes down, sits next to him. And this is where he tells her about the news about Max and Logan. And, you know, they're at the table drinking and she's like, uh, you know, I'm sure Logan made it romantic with wine and dinner. And then Alex is, you know, got his snarky remark, albeit true about, you know, why rush when you've been holding it in for so long. And then of course I love it. She calls him a pig, yeah. tells him he doesn't know anything about love. And then he says, I know more than you think. And then, 
you know, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and something that was heartbreaking because obviously that's a, a reference to his stint as a piano teacher in, in right. you know, the the previous episode. So you know, it's like he's look. We already know he's broken, so he's trying to. I I think just make a place for himself and it's difficult. Yeah, definitely. And and Asha is a little broken at this point too, you know, like both of them been through like a lot recently. Um, So it seemed like they'd be a a pretty good fit. And and that's one of the things I wonder about. Will we get to see some of her backstory? Because, because when you think about it, she's certainly become one of the major characters. I mean, sketchy's, I think pretty much out of the mix. We've seen right. a little bit of original Cindy's backstory, not a lot, but but more than the others. And it would just seem at this point logical for us to see, you know, how did Asha get to this point where she's working with this? Uh, they're not really a terrorist group, but but certainly a group that that's trying to bring down the establishment. So yeah, yeah, right. Because we yeah we really don't know, it. and she just kind of popped up, right? Yeah. This season, she's just all of a sudden, boom, there's Ashley Scott. We're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and then he tells Asha that Logan, <laughs> I love this one, Logan's a repressed wasp and Max is a broken toy. Hmm. So so does he see yeah. well, Max I, I, as a toy that Logan's playing with? I don't know why he would say that. No, I, I just, I, I think he sees himself and Max as, you know, a manticore making them and i've you know jokingly before had said how you know the amount of weed that must be around the manticore offices back in the day because it's like and the gossamer is another example of just you know toying around with genetics and and so i think alec sees um himself and max both as as toys because they are you know they were I don't, I'm not. I'm going to say frivolously built, but they were they were created out of someone's imagination. Yeah, true. And and albeit with the purpose of, of being you know a, a super soldier, but right. still. Um, but then you know, toyed with constantly. You know, created. You know, messing with their minds, messing with their physiology, and everything. Just right, and, uh, and we've heard that whole reference about cocktail, and and clearly he had some musical skill built into his cocktail. Right. So obviously she goes home with him immediately falls asleep on his couch, which was a, an awesome twist. And again, I don't want to make more out of it than should be made, but again, he goes over, he sees her there, you know, he's disappointed, but he just really tenderly puts the blanket over her and you know, and that's it. Yep. He's right. not all bad. He's not all bad. All right. So Max goes to Alec for help. She finds Asha asleep on the couch and Alec comes out of the shower. You know, what's up with that? You know, towel around his waist, bare chested. Come on. Yeah. Who's that for? Well, not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So there's, he, there's an audience out there for it, though, Dave. Is there? Okay. All right. So Alec tells her that the gossamers are manticore and she's like, all right, eight hours, 10 minutes. So, right. you know, you mentioned being on the clock and, and, yeah. and obviously that's a lot of the, the last quarter of the show, uh, plot point, get a quick comic relief scene. Logan leaves Joshua in his apartment, tells him there's food in the fridge. Well, uh, just to go back real quick, cause, and you had said this before how, you know, she just says, I need your help. Get dressed. And he just says, okay. You know? Yeah. 
like that's where they are now like now she just says i need your help he's like all right boom done you know yeah so where is this gonna go i yeah again i don't want to say it out loud right now but some of the listeners have have dropped little hints so we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on that we'll just leave it there for now okay uh but you know when he starts rummaging through yeah logan's refrigerator that that was that was awesome that was, that was funny yeah. right and then uh we cut to the dentist uh, office that logan's investigating and he realizes what the gossamer's after calls alec leaves a message and so now the rest of the episode we're just tracking the gossamer you know, max and alec split up she finds logan <laughs> in the car with goo all over them yeah uh spits at her as well now we've got all three of them trapped but at least we know it's not killing anything so i don't know have you read anything by jasper ford i have not in fact i've never heard of jasper ford okay well you should like he's uh i don't know how to qualify his books but he has a series of books uh called Thursday Next, and it's like the first one's called The Air Affair. And basically, Thursday Next is a character who can jump into fictional books. And then there's a whole fictional world, and she's like a police officer there and everything. It's really, really awesome series. But in the universe that Jasper Ford created, they have uh, home cloning kits. Like, so you can take home whatever you want. It's like, so she has a pet dodo, for example. Um, and they have these things called chimeras that when, you know, people, uh, they called the, the cloning craze of the 90s. Some people went a little uh, wild and created their own things, much like Manticore did. And so when I saw the Gossamer, it reminded me of like these chimeras that we see in, in uh, the Thursday Next books. Oh, okay. Are, so, are, are they like young adult lit? No. Well, no, not really. Okay. But uh, yeah, you get a chance. You should check them out. Let me know because I, I have them all. I can I can loan them to you. But they're they're uh, really excellent uh, kind of speculative fiction books. I love speculative fiction. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we learned that the Gossamers trained to track down Keverall, which is also something that dentists are using in fillings, which is what attracted this one in the first place. So, all right, it's making a little more sense. Uh, Max, not a lot more. Yeah, but a little more. Yeah. Uh, so we get the encounter max is pissed beats the crap out of the gossamer before trapping it in a car which is then hoisted up by a crane now that everybody's saved alec gets everybody out so that max and logan can at least be alone for a few minutes and you see this little knowing look that alec shoots towards max that he's doing this for her yeah i like it yeah yeah Like I said, not all bad. Yep. Um, You know, it's, and we're not going to talk about Doctor Who tonight, but obviously one of the things about uh, the Christmas episode this year is that it was so light and it was, Mm -hmm. it was Christmas light as well. There there wasn't much about Christmas, but it it was such a departure. And, And I'm starting to think about, as we talk about this episode, it didn't really, as we said, push the story arc very far along not no, much character to story arc at all but it was it fun but it was a fun episode oh it's awesome yeah yeah so the closing scene alec realizes that the junkyard owner wants to keep the gossamer as a pet <laughs> yeah and, and, and his dog at the when we first see him he's like i forget what the dog's name was but you realize it's a stuffed dog that he's right getting. um but so now he has one that actually moves and can everything. So that's exactly. Yeah. And he understands that it's attracted to the Keverall and the car parts in the first place. And the little scene where he talks to the dog, 
you want a companion? Yeah, yeah, you do. Oh, I figured you would. <laughs> and then the final scene, they're sitting in a car looking out at the water. Logan's musing about lost time and how he would do things differently. And I'm thinking like, okay, Gatsby. Um, <laughs> and then, of yeah. course, her timer goes off. He kisses her, climbs out of the car, tells her he loves her. I love you too, except, yeah. dude, he didn't hear you. No, he didn't hear. But he knows. Yeah. He knows. Yep. They both know. So, you know, again, it's almost like just because they never got around to doing the deed, is that a problem in their relationship? And, you know, I I tend to think that, I mean, it's something that they could have checked off their to-do list, you know, but I think they're going to be at, they would still be at this point right now, no matter what, whether they actually had sex or not. They, they'd still be at this point right now of being kind of bummed out and un, feeling unfulfilled. Yeah. Uh, reminds me of uh, Tim Tebow. <laughs> Did you read his latest girlfriend uh, broke oh, no, up, broke up with him because of that? Like, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, poor Tim. Well, at least it, that's what was reported in the paper. Who knows? Right. right um, but yeah, it, again, it'll be interesting. And, and uh, not to turn this show into this big shipping show which uh, uh, even i don't want it to become because that that certainly i think is a downfall as i was saying to you before we went on the air about lost girl it just became too much about the relationships um romantic relationships but uh you know white's still out there right mm-hmm. lydicker's still out there yeah we haven't seen lydicker in a long time. And there's all this mythology related to Manticore that, uh, guys, that was kind of cool. Can we get back to that, please? Yeah. I, I would imagine that the next episode, is exa- that is exactly what will happen. We'll get back to, um, you know, this the mystery and what's going on with White and his this group that he's associated with. And I don't know if... We're going to see Lydicker again or not. I mean, obviously, I hope we do, but I'm not sure we're going to. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because as the X-Files is set to return in January, and you think back to X-Files, and you know, anybody that watched it a lot understands that the mythology over aliens and and government cover-ups was a huge part of the show. And I think even people that are casually acquainted with it see it in that respect but the monster of the week episode was a big part of x files Mm -hmm. and you know on the on the one hand i find myself criticizing dark angel for doing exactly what x files did and got to catch myself right because that's all this was yeah absolutely but you know again with a little bit of you know, overall story with the, you know, the, this kind of ongoing relationship between Max and Logan. But yeah, it was basically a monster of the week episode. Um, but also this kind of reinforcing, as you said, it's, I, I will call them star cross more. I, I think snake bit is probably a better word to describe, uh, the relationship between Max and Logan. Um, just, you know, Right, but I mean, like Rodney Dangerfield, man, they get no respect at all. But I mean, at what point do you just say, you know what, enough is enough? We're not fated to be together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough call. Fate versus free will, baby. 
Yeah, but when you you know, like you're, it's this person you're in love with, though, you know. I guess. So it's you know, I I think they're they're fighting for it. You know, they're trying to make this happen. It's just they're running into a lot of hell. She's working on her love obstacles. She's working on her damn PhD to make it happen. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. All right. So anything else? Um. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. All right. Well, you know, like I said, a good solid B episode. Um, you know, it's good to be back, and you know, we we do have Lost Girl on the horizon, right? We've got uh, yes a premiere date for Sci Fi, so obviously there's going to be a little bit of a Dark Angel interruption when Lost Girl returns, and and, and we return to our roots. But uh, you know, we'll cross that bridge when it gets here. Want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Love to hear from you about Dark Angel. Firefly, Doctor Who, Lost Girl, anything else you think we should be watching. I'd like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the speak pipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week when we discuss Dark Angel, episode 13 of season two, titled Harbor Lights. But until then. So I, yeah, I always remember that that first day when you know we let told the English department we were going to do a podcast, and you know they said to us, "How could you two be more lame?" <laughs>